Hey everybody and happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning into the Life Church Canton podcast. Um, this is yet another midweek episode. Back on October 6, uh, we had a town hall meeting as a church where we got together to talk about partnership and the changes there. Um, and instead of me trying to explain this all to you, I invited our pastor, Jared Van Voorst, to come on and uh, give us some context about what you're about to hear. Everybody say hi, Jared. Hi. <laughs> Hey, Sam. How you doing? Good. Good. Thanks for having me. This is my first uh, podcast uh, opportunity that I've participated in, so that participated in, so this is good. Uh, yeah, so what the listeners are going to be hearing is a, a pretty big chunk of the town hall. I think you told me like an hour and 45 minutes, so uh, God bless you for those who make it all the way through. I hope you do, because there's lots of good information, especially if you um, have been participating with Life Church for a while. Uh, but there were, so now we're on the other side of both the town hall, which took place on October 6th, as well as the message that Nathan preached this last weekend. And so uh, for those that maybe will go and hear that too, that'll be good. Um, but I've had some conversations with some people after those, and there's been a, a common theme, lots of excitement about partnership, obviously, but some uh, people who have had some questions and wanted some clarity on some things. One of the, one of the commitments that Nathan is asking that we do is that we commit to, um, to tithing, which is 10%. If you're newer to that, that term, giving 10% to life church. And, um, that's part of what it means of the six commitments to become a partner at, at life church. But the question that they had is what does that look like? What does that mean? Do, do I have to start by giving 10? Do I already have to be giving 10% in order to become a partner? And so the thing that we wanted to clarify is that there is a grace period. So if you, if you decide to become a partner today, you have a year from now to work toward that 10%. Mm. And that's a big commitment. We, we get that. That's hard. Yeah. Um, especially to make that adjustment. And, and, and I applaud those for those who choose to do that. If, if you feel like that's a daunting task, we also understand that. So what I tell people sometimes is say, hey, if you do want to grow in your giving, what if you just did a 1% increase? Right. Um, or just whatever, whatever percentage you want to increase, whatever it is that is maybe going to stretch you and or your family um, to grow in generosity. Uh, ultimately, what we care about is your heart and where your right. heart is. And then the other thing is... Um, that people asked is, okay, so what if I don't become a partner? Does that mean I just can't be part of Life Church anymore? Mm. And that is, uh, the answer is no. Uh, I want to say that right out of the gate. The answer is no. We still believe you belong, and that's part of our code. And in fact, um, we created a card that we're going to get out to as many people as we can that shows 12 different ways that you can actually engage our code um, without becoming a partner. Right. And we believe that even if you don't become a partner, you're still an integral part to who we are at Life Church, but you're going to hear a ton of information from the town hall meeting, from the uh, questions that get asked, as well as from uh, Nathan's uh, clarification on what those commitments are. Well, thanks, Jared. I appreciate you giving some context, yeah. and uh, cheers to you if you can make it all the way through this multi-hour endeavor of a midweek podcast. Maybe if you're driving up north, this is what you're listening to. So, um, <laughs> thanks, everybody. Here's the meeting. Thanks. All right, we're going to get started. Welcome, everybody. Um, I don't have any pots tonight, so uh, not you're safe to sit in the front row. Uh, hopefully nobody got any shards in their eyes or anything like that. Uh, but welcome to, to Life Church. Welcome to our town hall meeting. 
Uh, my name is Jared Van Vorst, and normally I'd say I'm one of the pastors here, and there's a lot of reason for that, but I think it's also important every once in a while to recognize I'm the associate pastor. I work closely with Nathan and Rich on the executive team, and uh, in preparation for, for this moment, uh, the sort of the tail end of our This Is Us series, we just felt it would be good as we've been talking about all of these different code statements and what that means for us. And so you're going to hear more of that tonight, but also we, feel, uh, we just feel it would be good to have it be a dialogue, not just a monologue, not just us talking at you, uh, but you getting to respond back to us and, uh, and make sure we're hearing, hearing your hearts as well. And so that's what this is for. Um, it's going to be informal. Nathan's going to start off sharing a few comments about partnership, among some other things. And as I mentioned before, there are snacks, so if at any point you just get, uh, you get super hungry and you need to go get a little mini donut, you can go do that. Uh, use the restroom, get some water, whatever it is that you need to do, it is informal. Um, but please uh, engage. If there's certain questions that are burning on your heart that you want to ask, please let us know. There's two ways that you can do that. We have two wireless mic. Uh, microphones, and uh, you can just walk up and talk on there. If you would prefer not to talk on a microphone, that's entirely okay. We have little uh, 3 by 5 index cards and that little black table there, along with a basket of pens. Just grab one of those, and if at any moment you think of a question, you want to write it down, uh, Kate is standing there, and she apparently is cold. Uh, she has a blanket. Uh, okay. Oh, Okay. She's wearing a blanket because she's cold. She doesn't have to tell that story now. Uh, you can give your card to her. She'll just kind of be roaming around, grabbing cards, and then she's going to bring some stacks to me, and then we'll be looking through those. Some, if your question doesn't get answered right away, uh, don't, don't fret. Uh, we'll go all the way up till 8 o'clock if we need to. If for whatever reason we end early, that's fine too. But just know that beyond 8 o'clock, if we go up to 8 o'clock, beyond 8 o'clock, me and Nathan and I see uh, several staff members and then a couple LT members, leadership team members are here as well. We would be happy to answer any questions that you might have uh, afterwards. I think that's it. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. God, thank you for time together as a family. This is, I just feel like I'm in my living room with uh, a bunch of my closest friends and family, and uh, we get to talk about your kingdom and what you're calling us into. And uh, we're so excited to be diligent uh, with the work of our hands and, uh, and, and the words of our, our voices, our mouths. Uh, we have so much to say and so much to be a part of, and we're excited to do that. But we want to do that well. We want to honor you in that process. And so I pray that as we have conversation, as we have dialogue, um, God, that our hearts would be set on you, um, that you would lead us by your spirit, and that uh, we would be better together as we grow into what it is that you are calling us to, to do and to be. Uh, we love you, Father. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Take it away. How you guys doing? I'm so grateful that you um, made an effort to be here. Uh, it speaks a lot about who you are and what you care about, and I love it. I'm, I'm so grateful that everyone is here. I, I do believe that there is no problem with hard questions. Um, while we might not always like the answers, sometimes I don't always like the answers, it is good for us to do that. That is part of who we've been, that questions are legal. And so we wanted to be intentional about this. And everything we've been doing over the last you know, couple months has been to give people a chance to have a voice because we care and uh, it matters. And, and this is us. Um, one of the things I want to talk to you about before we get going, and, and I'm going to present this, and you can have questions about this as well, but anything else? You can ask questions about the code. You can ask questions about transition. You can ask any question that's on your heart, and we will do our best to do that and, and to answer those. So please feel free 
to um, ask the questions and to have a dialogue with me. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and, and we just finished the series, we've done all six code, you know, next week, well, that empty spot will be full. So why are we still doing This Is Us as a series? We have one more week, and really it's one of the most important weeks and something that will become part of our rhythm every year, and it's this idea of partnership. And I, I want to explain that to you in the here so we can have a dialogue, but I will be explaining it again next weekend and then calling the church to become partners. Uh, I've already had some of these conversations. I had some of them last night with 18 uh, young marrieds, and it was a wonderful conversation, and some of them have come here tonight as well. But I want to have that conversation with you so that when you go into this next weekend, you know more than just don't get blindsided. Our, our goal is to have these circles of communications. So I want to talk about the changes. And when I say partnership, I'm talking about the change from membership to partnership, that we are, we are changing things. Now, most of you uh, who are here are members, meaning you've gone through a class at some point in the past. It could have been this year. It could have been like 15 years ago. I don't know. And you made these commitments, and these commitments are something that help us move forward as a church. And we are re-looking at those, the spirit and the heart of why we had those commitments in the first place. And we're making some changes to make it more effective. The heart here isn't to make something new. Um, and in fact, with the whole entire code series, wasn't to make something new, but to clarify and be more specific and more usable and more effective. And so some of the changes to partnership, I'm going to try to list them up here um, so you know. Uh, we're gonna, we went from 15 statements that you committed to to six. So 15 statements, I don't even know what all 15 of those were, and I tried to memorize them, and it was hard. Um, they were great statements. They were full of vision. They had a lot of this code feel inside of them. They're so good, but it was very difficult. If someone could get up here, I'd give them 20 bucks right now if they could maim my heart, the 15 statements. It just was weighty. So what we decided to do is to boil that down to six statements. And these six statements encompass all of them, and nothing's been left out. It's all in there. So I think that great, creates greater, greater clarity. So if you're committing and making a covenant, and I, I think there needs to be simplicity and clarity. Now, there's six statements and there's six codes, so they're connected, and that's by intention. Another change we made is uh, that we wanted to create greater specificity. And that's just a fancy way of saying being more direct about what these commitments were. And we went back to what was presented and what, especially what Alex Rahill would talk about when he did membership, when he would come to that meeting. And some of you went there and he would talk for like three hours about his passion for the church and what he wanted to see. But those weren't, those statements and who he, what he was talking about weren't reflected very well in those 15 statements as far as the specificity. And, and we will get to what those are in just a moment. We wanted to make sure that we reflect the heart of that covenant well and that we say it clearly. And so we made some changes uh, to do that. So that's part of it. And then as well, um, the change that we're making, and this one's big, so, so don't freak out. Uh, membership, one-time membership is ending. Membership at this church is ending. Don't freak out. It's totally okay. Everyone's going to be all right. <laughs> what that means is having this one time where you show up, take a class, become a member, and then you're a member for life that's ending. We have done in the past a, a, a purge, meaning every three to five years, we'll kind of reset the list, and, and um, that's been really good. But we're, we're changing what we're doing, and we're ending membership. So at the end of November, everyone who is a member at this church, everyone's, it's, it's ending, and we're, end, we're starting something 
new. And I'll explain more about it. And if you have questions, just write them down. I know sometimes your brain's like, like write it down. It'll be helpful. Um, well, what is changing now is a year, yearly renewing partnership is beginning. So everyone here who is a member or isn't a member is invited to become a partner. And we're going to do that every single year. Every single year, we're going to remind ourselves of what we committed to, and we're going to reaffirm that we're on board. This creates, one, it keeps it fresh in your mind, and two, it allows us to better care for our partners and to know where the church is. And we'll talk a little bit more about the why behind the what in just a moment. But this is something that I've seen uh, used in churches that are run just like us that has worked so well, and it creates this momentum. So what you're going to experience next Sunday is Partnership Sunday. And what it is is we get excited about what God is doing, and we say we are all in. And we're going to do that every year to remind ourselves of why we do what we do. And so you're experiencing this code series moving up to partnership and, and, and understanding exactly who we are, and we're inviting you to be part of that. And finally, um, the way if you're wondering, like, well, what, okay, if we're having partners uh, and we're getting rid of membership, how are we going to, like, understand where people are at? We talk about guests a lot. We talk about guests a lot. You guys understand what a guest is, someone who's new, who hasn't moved forward yet. We've just talked about partners, which membership is ending, partners beginning. But there's this third category of people, and some of you may be in this already or might choose to be in this category of regular attenders. And when you think about a regular, you know, someone who's a regular anywhere you go, like, you know their name, they belong, they're so important to the area. And so we are elevating a little bit what partnership means, but we are also really want to um, emphasize that regular attenders and people who are here, this is their church, this is their home, this is their place, and that's not going to change. And uh, we want you guys to know that. And our the leadership team's heart and our heart as a staff has been so much for um, the people here and how we can help move through this moment. So I want to talk about the why behind the what. The why behind the what. So we just talked about what it is a little bit. I want to talk about why we're doing this. Because I just don't make changes because I think it's better. Um, as, you know, as much as it may seem like that sometimes, that change is just to change. There are intentionality to it. And I think it's important that you understand the why. And we can actually have a dialogue that's a little bit easier to have than um, when you're preaching a sermon. The why behind the what is this. One, six commitments all of these things that we're asking you to do, when we look at it, we think that it, it positions you to be a disciple of Jesus. That these six commitments position you to live a full life. Like that John 10.10 life, that life to the full, isn't just when everything's hunky-dory, but it's a life lived intentionally. It's a life lived with purpose. It's the code. It's this idea of, of who we are. So these commitments aren't just some arbitrary number. It, it really reflects the heart for what discipleship is and positioning people to experience the power in them and through them in the community. And that is the most important thing that you know about these commitments and my heart for them. The other th behind the why is we are driven by new life. Jared did a phenomenal job today and we had such a wonderful experience this weekend. And really, everyone's like, yeah, we're driven by new life. In order to do that, you guys have heard just how this progresses, that it takes, but it also can be so powerful and important and it takes intentionality. So why we're making this change is to make sure that we are incredibly intentional about the gifts that God has given us and that we're using it in the community. So these are the, number two, the two number one reasons why we're making this change, and I want you guys to know that this is our heart for it. I'm going to talk about some other the whys. Um, better full engagement of invested 
individuals. That's a fun way of saying something. Let me explain what I mean by that. Um, as a church right now, we have 515 members. Of those 515 members, some haven't been here in years, and we're trying to work through that list. Um, it's a, that's a really large list to get through, to care for. Of that 515, as we look at those who are living into the commitments, who are living up to the covenant that they made, um, the number of individuals who are living into the membership covenant, the number's around 60. So, and everyone's like, oh, like some people are like, well, that's not good, right? No one in the room thinks that 60 out of 500 is a good number, right? Like, you know, that's, that's not great. Now, to, to you, that might feel like, oh, but to me, I look around at what God has done in the last 16 years uh, with a core, and it's not just the core who do it, not at all. A lot of people are making it happen, but the core really, they do create the momentum. I look around at what God has done, and I go, that is incredible. And the ability for us to do so much more by being intentional, by just changing over a few people, it's, it's crazy, crazy good. As a church, um, we, we have a lot of growing to do, but I see it as an opportunity. And partnership is just a small part of this. We are changing in our philosophy about membership. Now, membership has been kind of like, hey, we want you to be part of it. You'll figure it out as you go. You know, this kind of idea of like, hey, work towards it, but it's not as specific and it's not as, you know, setting a higher bar. What I want to do is set a higher bar because I don't want 60 out of 500, and I'm just making numbers now. I want 100 of 200 fully engaged. I want to see a higher percentage of our partners seeing them being fully invested in the covenant um, as well. So over the last year, I've really been investing in our staff and in our leadership team to make sure that they're living fully into this covenant because just one more person living into the covenant creates a momentum that you can't really understand. And then finally, the uh, oh, that was it. Yep, that was that one. So um, I would love to have more questions about the why. There's more reasons why, but I think those are the ones I really want you to focus on and see that this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for people to become part of the 10, the 30, the 40 more people who are fully engaged that will really drive us into the new life that God wants for us. So what I'd like to do is walk through the commitments with you and just explain what they mean. And then, um, and then we'll open it up for questions. And at that point, you can ask questions about anything at all, anything that you have a question about. And of course, I'll be around afterwards if you feel uncomfortable or they're like, I mean, we're, get, we're getting lots of cars here too. So that's great. Um, we really appreciate that. So what is the six commitments? And again, these are based on what we've already had and they're truncated down and more specific. The first one is I will join or lead a life group. And this is to create community and belonging. So we want you to join and lead a life group because in life groups are the place where you belong. It's a place where you can extend that belonging to other people and that you can be part of the family. This one hasn't changed much. This is exactly who he's always been. I love our life groups, and I love what God is doing through them. Second commitment, I will pray, study the Bible, and submit control of my life to Jesus. This one's good. This is about encountering Jesus. This is about knowing him. And this is our commitment personally that we're going to do this with regularity, that we're going to pray, that we're going to encounter Jesus, not just to know things about the Bible, but allow the Bible to speak into who we are. I love that phrase, right? We don't read the Bible. The Bible reads us. It, it divides us. And then submitting control of my life to Jesus. Jared talked today about how new life, which we celebrate, is any movement towards Jesus. And we think it's imperative that you continue to grow.
Third one, I will serve at least once a month at Life Church. This one is a little more specific than in the past. That you at least serve once a month here as a partner. And whether that's in the kids' ministry or it's in cafe or greeter or you're coming here and you're volunteering during the week, that you make this a priority. We think that's a pretty minimum bar, but I think it's important. We know that a lot of you serve in other areas, and we don't want to minimize that. But if you're a partner here, this is important to us. Moving right along. I will give 10% to Life Church and grow in generosity beyond to move the mission forward. This is the one that's being a little more specific. The idea that you give 10% of what God has given you directly to Life Church and that you learn to grow in generosity to Life Church or other areas. I think this is one that we've been working on really hard with our staff this year and one that I've seen um, do incredible things and have great conversations about. Another one, I will influence one other person for their spiritual growth to live out the Great Commission and disciple. Now, this is one that is more of a, a goal that we're working towards, but it's also organic to who we are and has to do with multiply. This idea that discipleship, if you remember that message, discipleship is multiplication and discipleship is the Great Commission and discipleship is one-on-one pouring your life into someone else. And we want you as a partner to commit to that. This one makes more of a, dis- uh, a difference than you can possibly imagine. More of a difference. And so it's got to be something we commit to. Now, here's the deal. The life journey is something that we have put forward to help you do that, to train you how to do that, to provide opportunities for you. This is not something we're just saying, hey, go do this. And you're like, "Ah, I don't know how, right? We are here, and we have an intentional way, a relational system to help you do that. uh, But we're committed to it. We believe it's important. And finally, I I will prioritize the weekly gathering with my church community to worship God, that I'll make it my priority over everything else as best of my ability to be here, worshiping in, in, in this weekend, but also being with my small group. We think it's crucial that we live life together and that we worship God because we want to glorify him in all things. So these are the commitments. And what's going to happen next week, And just so you know, we're going to go through these. I'm going to give some more scriptural backing to it. I'm going to explain why. We're going to get excited about it. And then you're going to be given an opportunity at the end of the gathering to commit. So if you are a member right now, All you have to do is look at these agreements and say, yes, I'm going to do this. Then you'll be able to sign a paper that day or within a month and turn it in, and you are now a partner. If you are not a member and you want to become a partner, you can do the same thing, but then you'll be signing up for one of our classes where we'll go through the code in more depth, and you'll be able to make a decision to follow. This is something that we're going to get into a pattern of every year. And so every year, if you're a partner, you're going to recommit. And every year, people will be given an opportunity to become part of this church. One of the things you need to know is that we know these things are different, and they're a change from what we've been. And so if you feel like these are things, you're like, I don't know if I can do that. Our commitment to you and to each other, and we've already been doing this this year with our staff and some others, is our commitment is that we will partner with you so that within a year of you signing this, you'd be fully on board and living into the fullness of this covenant. And so we, we will be um, working hard, and we've been piloting a member care team. It's going to become partner care where our pastors really pour into you and really um, have the opportunity to help you grow. My heart in all of this, and our heart in all of this, primarily, is that you are set up to love God and be used by him in the most effective way. That's the primary reason we're doing this. The secondary reason is as a church, we are driven by new life. 
And that causes us to challenge ourselves to rise to new things to see what God can do through us. Those are the primary reasons that we are doing that. Um, but yeah, right now, what I would love for us to do is, again, we're going to prioritize uh, any kind of conversation on the mics. And Jared will be helping run through that. And then if we don't have time uh, or if we run out of those questions, we'll start on these. But thank you for listening. Thank you for your hearts being open to hear. And I uh, look forward to having more dialogue with you. So now's the time. If you want to go up to the mic, you could do that. <laughs> yeah. Laura. Hey. Hi. Um, thanks so much. And thanks for This Is Us. It was a wonderful series and clearly a lot of thought and retrospection, introspection went into it. And so my question to you is, you've used the word will be more effective. How will, we, how will we know? What will that look like? Are we going to measure it in a way? Are we going to describe behaviors that we'll see? Um, what a wonderful question. Yeah, we, we worked over a year on this code. To have put it on the wall and never use it again would be a waste of time. And I think actually not helpful. So at the annual celebration, one of the ways you'll be able to see this soon is in the mm -hmm. last week of January, we celebrate what God has done. So we will start to apply metrics, right, or things we want to know that show us that we're doing these things. And for reference, the Driven by New Life is, is the number one. And so we have already started to assign um, things that help us understand exactly when we're doing this well. And I want to make sure I get this right, but, so I'll reference it. But we'll, I'll just walk right down through this and then talk about some of the things we want to see. So for You Belong, for You Belong. Uh, one of the ways we can actually measure that. The, the idea is that people come here and they feel like they can be safe and so that they can hear the word of God. So one of the things we would measure is connect cards. You heard this weekend we also add text to connect. This idea that we want to get these moments with people and invite them to do that. And, and here's the deal. If you don't feel like you belong, you're never going to give us your information. So we find that's a really good metric for us. There's other ones as well that we're working on. Encountering Jesus simply is salvation's. Seeing people come and recommit their lives to Jesus means that they've had this experience with Jesus. Um, uh, the effectiveness of our prayer ministry team, a little harder, but we can see how many people come up and get prayer as we continue to grow in that as they encounter Jesus. Relentless pursuit of one more. Um, I want to make sure I get this right. Um, this one is actually one of our, our biggest ones that we would be able to measure. Um, so one of the things is the effectiveness of outreach events. Now, outreach events would be like trunk or treat. When I say outreach, I mean how are we reaching out to people in our community so that they would come and check us out or be part of what's going on here, except Jesus, that kind of thing. When I mean service, I mean things like life works. So there's a distinction there, which we'll get. Um, so there's... Outreach, cross equals love, was huge in relentless pursuit of one more. Like the wristbands that I saw many of you still wearing on the way in here, it made an impact on sharing our stories. How do we know, like how many people have come? How do, many stories do we hear? How many people went and found people? Um, those are some metrics as well. Attendance is big. So attendance numbers matters. So relentless pursuit of one more. If our attendance continues to go up, that's a good metric to do that. As well as um, the 167. Now, that this is something we're working in right now, so I'll explain it. There's 168 hours in the week. Most of us spend an hour in church. 
So what do we do with 167 hours? So what you're seeing with the YouTube videos, what you're seeing with Facebook Live, where Daniel, Pastor Daniel and, and, and uh, Jared and myself, where I preached a sermon and we just talked about it, um, there's other things that we're doing to try and see what's the most effective way to reach people who aren't coming here and how to reach you guys during the week. So those are some of the metrics we can start to measure. I'll try to run through these quick. Uh, whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. These are service opportunities, LifeWorks. How many uh, LifeWorks projects did we do? How many, cro this year, cross equals love isn't just gonna be about sharing, it's about doing. So we talked about the cross last year, this year we're gonna talk about love and showing it. So we're encouraging our small groups to go out wearing the cross equals love church, uh, shirts and do service projects around their community and love on them. Um, overseas, what are we doing overseas? Are we expanding that mission? Are we becoming effective in that? How is Ebenezer Glen Orphanage going? And also church plants. What's next, right? Whatever it takes, wherever it takes us is church plants. And so we've got to see more of that. Um, and so how are we doing? This year we supported Auburn Hills, about $13,000, I believe, or it's ten dollars to $13,000 to see their mission go forward. We'll be done with that in the beginning of next year. So what's next? Those are some metrics that are important to us. Multiply the life journey, which we talked about. How many people are a part of it? How many people are moving forward? How many people are discipling people? We'll be able to measure that soon and be able to see the effectiveness year to year. Finally, driven by new life, testimonies and baptisms. How many baptisms are we seeing? How many testimonies are we able to share with people about how God has transformed them? So I know that was a lot. Hopefully that answered your question. What else? Can I clear any clarifying? No, it's great because a lot of times people have a wonderful plan and <laughs> no way of knowing whether their plan is working. Um, one thing, though, that might be helpful mm -hmm. is people, all these people, all these partners, you know, they're, they love on people. Yeah. And it might be, um, I don't know if there's a, a place where we people can... You know, like when we did, um, what was that Christmas thing where you pay it forward or something? You've been gifted where people mm -hmm. had pictures and they showed different things. If there was some way that people could check in and just say, hey, you know what? I, the coolest thing happened to me just yeah. now where we could share stories real time yep. all the time mm. um, would be another way. Yeah, I think that's a great, great feedback for our 167 too. So thank yep. you for that. And thank Jared's you. taking notes as we go. So. We'll go over here. Hey, Nathan. Uh, thank you so much. Th Nathan, Jared, thank you so much for uh, having this talent hall tonight. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, my question is kind of a little bit unrelated to like the new, the new changes. Um, about a year ago, Life Church had a speaker here named Preston Sprinkle, who yes. is an influential um, Christian author who kind of writes a lot about how to really love on um, LGBTQ America, uh, Christians who yes. a lot of times don't come to church for fear of um, the treatment that they've experienced in the past. And um, my kind of question was in the year since, in the year about 11 months since we had that visit, and then in the future, how is Life Church going to do whatever it takes, wherever it takes us to really show um, LGBTQ Christians that we belong? Because, you know, we're here and we have concerns and we're a part of this church. Absolutely. Thank you for that question. Thank you for. Uh for asking it and for the willingness. This is not um, a, an easy uh, area. That it, it creates all kinds of emotions. What I love, first of all, is that we have an incredible denomination who is asking the exact same question. How do we embrace people? 
while still maintaining what God has said about marriage. And um, I love it. I have, this is, I'm still in this kind of new stage where I've been here a year and a half. I've been part of three denominations, or no, four denominations. I don't just hop denominations. I'm here for good. This is, <laughs> and here's, and part of it's why, here all like, dang it, man, I don't need to go. No, no, no. Uh, why is because I found a denomination who fits me, but also doesn't just say things, but has a plan to back it up. So some of the things that I would point to for the ECC, the Evangelical Covenant Church, um, and their stand is, you know, marriage, it's, you know, chastity outside of marriage between a man and a woman is their goal, but they understand that, that the community that is here needs loved. And so they have a resources called Embrace, and the idea is to embrace them and to love them and to love them through it. So what are we doing here, whatever it takes, wherever it takes us? I think is we're having a lot of conversations on staff and, and helping ourselves understand how to love all people, um, knowing that there is uniqueness to that um, community and to those struggles. I think you belong is huge to that. Like we ask this question, how far do we take you belong? And it's to the point where we would be uncomfortable if someone who looks different than us for whatever reason, but specifically if they're LGBTQ, like um, that we would say, yeah, but they belong because they belong to Jesus. And what's most important is that they encounter him. And if they don't feel like they can be here, how can they encounter him? And so I think that's where I land with it. One of the things I feel is really a, a wise answer that I was received from someone who just lived life and did it, someone very much like Preston Sprinkle, is a lot of times people will give me hypotheticals. Like, well, what if this, what if this? I don't deal in hypotheticals. I deal with people. And when there is unique individuals and there are people who come to me, I, I treat them um, as an individual, as God loves them. And, and, you know, if you've met one person who's gay, you've met one person who's gay. You know, you meet one Christian who struggles with uh, their identity or knows who they, they are, you've met one person. And so I think you, you got to love them where they're at. I think there are opportunities for us in the future. Last thing I'll say about it, and I know I'm not fully answering with any actionable stuff, so don't hear me trying to avoid that. Um, I knew going into seminary that this issue would be one of the major things in my um, life, and I have been committed to learning and growing in it. And I think it takes individuals who are willing to walk with me in this, who are willing to put themselves out there and help me grow in it for this to happen. So I appreciate um, when that happens. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for the question. Of course. Thank you for the answer. Mm -hmm. Hi, sir. Uh, yes. Uh, my name is Jay Melancon Meloso. And uh, I've been here for 10 plus years. And I want to say, you know, blessed is this church because it has changed my life. And I want to thank everybody here for being as great as they really are. And maybe my question will probably indicate my age more than my mentality. <laughs> Uh, when I first came to Christ, and Christ, I should say, came to me, was here at Life Church. And I found that Jesus, living within me, guides me and directs me, which had not been part of my life, believe me. So it's just a kind of a confession. But I, my idea, is, as I understand, Jesus every now and then speaks to me because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me that knocks on my heart when I have questions. 
And sometimes Jesus will say, seek my face. And I realize that I have to have faith in order to seek his face. I have to have faith to recognize that he is here with me right now. I have to have faith to recognize that everything about me is what he wants me to be. And so I, when I sometimes wonder about what has happened in the 10 plus years that I have been here, I've missed some things. And sometimes I was always frightful of even asking. So that's why I will ask this question. Where is the cross that indicates my salvation here at church? I don't see it. I come and I listen and I understand that you're preaching the Bible to me. I understand that what you're trying to get across to me, but I really believe that I want to have a feeling that at least maybe I'm seeking his face here. I'm seeking his presence here. And maybe, maybe I don't get as much as you want me to get out of the services. But I know what the cross looks like because that's a symbol of my salvation. And I want to see that. I want to feel it. I want to, if I don't feel it, if I don't see it, I, you know, I, I'm very visual. <laughs> so maybe I, I need a question. Why don't we have, even in a corner, just a cross? At least that I, that I can, at least when I'm maybe not listening to the sermon, I can look and say, Jesus, you know. <laughs> So, I'm sorry, that, that's my question. That's why we have to drop pots to keep everybody away. <laughs> First of all, just thank you so much for the heart in which that was given. Uh, just, I feel, I feel uh, humbled is the word. Yeah, so, so let, me, let me explain a little bit of that. Um, so, so a philosophy that really... Uh, drove Life Church for a long time was about how to make sure we do things that are not offensive to non-Christians. This is a movement that wasn't just Life Church, it was all across the country. And we were, I was coming to, I came into ministry kind of on the tail end of that. So there was this idea that if we have anything iconic iconography, iconography, you know, that 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 was not helpful to the people that we were trying to attract. Now, I, I believe very clearly that that has shifted and changed, and that now, actually, the younger generation is looking for, uh, for the mystical. And the mystical not meaning that it, that sounds like a dirty word. It's not. This idea of something that's more, that's outside. Um, so, um, I think design elements inside of a building, they, they happen over time, and then if no one asks the question, things don't change. So, personally, myself, I have no issues whatsoever with a cross being inside or outside of a building, as long as it's tasteful and, and as long as it helps you know, communicate something to people. So, I have no personal issue with that. I think it would be wonderful to have a discussion about how we might represent the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, I'll, I'll go back to the cross equals love series. We put that big old cross on the stage, didn't we? And that, how many times did we walk back to that cross? Why? Because it's powerful, right? And I think it's, so, so hear my heart in that. Um, I think ongoing, it's great to have a conversation about that, you know, um, about 
prioritizing it or figuring out how we can do that. So, especially if it helps you pay attention to the sermons more, that would be great. <laughs> Thank you. Go for it, yeah. All right, um, I do have a question, and uh, so let me formulate my thought. Um, I really appreciate what's going on. I mean, I'm picking up that there is absolutely new life happening, and it's really cool to see. Um, so I, I just wanted to confirm that. But um, in the years that I've been coming to Life Church, there's a couple different ways that there are a couple different ways to preach. One is going to be topical, and the other is expository. Okay, topical is 99% of what we do. We we choose a series. We choose a, um, a, a topic, it might be finance, it might be whatever, okay? But expository is where you actually take a book of the Bible and work through it, and whatever scripture says, it says, okay? And so I appreciate the topical approach. However, the danger is, is that you can cherry pick the verses that you want to attack, you know, that you want to um, focus on, and you can avoid the hard stuff. And to be quite honest, when you're going through expository preaching, there's one rule, no skipping. Okay, whatever scripture says, it says. And one of the things is that, you know, there's, um, I've been in corporate America since, you know, the early 1990s. I've been through diversity training. I've been through, you know, more than once. And, uh, and the point is, is that, I mean, a lot of us have kind of been trained to not share our faith, okay, because in a corporation, there's some things that you don't talk about. You don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about whatever. Um, that's, I'm kind of rambling, and I get that. My wife would say, yes, you're rambling. So, so the point is, is this. Um, I, I do want to be equipped to preach. However, my request, though, is that as preachers, you don't protect us from our Bibles, okay? Meaning that um, the way that we come to grace is actually through the law, okay? That's how we get at grace, because it's the law that shows us, wow, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we come to the cross and we say, Lord, I can't save myself. You know, you need to do it. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. It's very, very specific, very exclusive. So I guess my point is, is that I understand that with topical, you can cast a wide net, okay, and, and, and bring in and, and sort through people. But there's a part of me that I grew up with some difficult but very hard preaching, and it was actually very good <laughs> in terms of being biblically solid and all of that. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we're not confronted with what the Bible says is sin, how are we going to repent? How are we going to be cleansed? I mean, and and so I'll just kind of leave it at that, that I would love to see some expository preaching, you know, just. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thank you so much for that and the way that you worded that. Um, you know, I, a couple thoughts on this. One, um, I love this discussion between um, topical, narrative, episodic, 
uh, and exegetical preaching. And um, this is a conversation that's been going on recently in academia for a while. Um, so I really love it um, and just actually wrote a paper on this uh, for my doctorate that I'm going through. And um, I love this conversation. I think this is crucial to understanding our role as preachers. And I, I believe that, that while we have said there's, there's topical and there's um, exegetical and there's only one or the other, I think is, is actually not true. I think that there are approaches to it um, that can be helpful that you can um, pull, go into it exegetically on, the, on this end of things and, and really dive into it and then build a series based on what you find that scripture to say. Now, an exegetical preacher, which um, we've got one on our staff who's so passionate about this, he's probably sitting in the back going, nah, 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 I gotta talk, right? You're like, like, now he's laughing. Yeah. <laughs> he's laughing. Hey, look, look, and, and he's about to get, a, he's getting his church fan out. He's how getting excited. How come he didn't, how come like, he didn't yeah. say amen, hallelujah? Amen, I yeah. know, you just hold, okay. yes, okay. yes. So let me explain why, why this is important. <laughs> I believe that we, we can have a greater balance. And part of why Daniel is here is because of his background and the way he preaches and what he's passionate and about what he also brings to our Friday meetings. And as we are preaching, we are always having this dialogue. What is the scripture saying? Are we pushing something that shouldn't? And I think that's really good. So let me take you just for a moment how we create our series. Before getting here, um, it was almost exclusively topical. And by that, we went and found what other churches had been doing series-wise and adapted it to our own. When I showed up, I didn't. I had never done that. I never wanted to do that. That's not my jam. So I built a team of people who helped create our series. And we sit there prayerfully before God and said, God, what are you trying to do? And how are you leading us? And then we have discussions about it. And everyone has to bring something to the table. And then we go to the word of God. And so we plan six months in advance. Uh, we, we plan six months of series uh, about three months before we started. So the series we're in right now, we planned almost last year um, at this time. Um, I will let you know that the idea of expositional preaching is so powerful to us, and we think it is so needed in our context for our growth that this summer coming up, and I know that feels like an eternity away because uh, <laughs> we haven't even hit winter yet, we're going to be doing the entire book of Ephesians in 12 weeks. Now... Um, we are going to, and, and don't, we, we're, we went through the book and we said, this is what it says. We're going to wrap it into two series back to back, but for everyone in the know, we're just doing an expositional series on it. Um, it's very clear. There is a clear delineation in Ephesians about what we're saying. So I value this. This is important to me. Um, but I think that there's more nuances to it. Um, as we go, I never want to say anything that the Bible doesn't say, and I'm not interested in starting with a theme and going to the Bible. That's not how we do things. Um, we go to the Bible first and let it shape the pastoral burden that we have. And Jared, I don't know if you wanted to add to it. And th yeah, thank you. Um, oh, one more thing, one more thing, and then I'll let Jared speak. So when um, we were actually in the process of hiring both Jared and Daniel at the same time, so as I was looking at both of them and their giftings and their skills and their abilities, very unique, I was able to look at my own and say, what's missing and what can we balance out with and how we have something unique here. You guys don't, I don't know if you guys know this, to have three preaching pastors who preach with regularity is good. It's God honoring and it, and it keeps us balanced. It keeps us balanced. And so I didn't hire people who I thought, oh, they preach just like me. That would be really lame. Like, let's find some people with some, some heart. And Jared, I know you're passionate about this as well. So I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, I prefer to say yes to all of it, any of it, um, and mostly because I, I see Jesus doing that. Um, today, a man had two sons. That's how he starts out his sermon. He doesn't go, now open up your Bibles, your Torah, to Genesis chapter 5. He just doesn't do that. But then in another spot, he does in Luke chapter 4. He's, he comes to them and he opens up the scroll of Isaiah and he reads it as it is, and then he begins to preach on it. And then they go and want to kill him for it. So, um, which, you know, there's, that, that's fun, right? Um, so I, I see Jesus doing a lot of different things. Um, I, I did a study, at the previous church I was at, we, we did a study for mm, 10 or 11 weeks through the entire book of Mark. And the only time Jesus uh, references the Old Testament is 10 times. He only... Only 10 times he references a, Bible, a, a verse from the Old Testament out of the entire book of Mark. And so that's not, that's not me giving an excuse for why we wouldn't you know, go through the Old Testament or why we wouldn't preach expositionally. Um, it's just, you just see a, a wide a range of how he communicates to people. And so I think that's important for us to do, especially with the wide variety of people and where they're at academically and spiritually. And um, we definitely have interacted with people who have been coming here for years and, um, and just, just don't have that academic setting or background. And so we don't want to alienate people by putting out big concepts and practices that's just way over their heads. And then they're like, well, I don't really belong here because I don't understand those hard words that they're using. And so it's a, it's a balance and we just want to be be careful. We're not afraid to talk about certain concepts. We just want to speak the language of the culture. And yeah. so it's important that we understand the culture as one, well. One, one caveat I would say to that, the big, huge concepts of Scripture are incredibly important. So we work really hard to break that down so that people can understand it. Um, so we, while we won't speak Christianese to the best of our ability, we will bring forward the concepts and the truth within it and unpack it. And it really becomes a process for us to say, if we just say sanctification, right? What is that, you know, that's an easy word to say it. If you say, what is sanctification? It's this continual day-by-day transformation as the Spirit of God inside of you through the Word of God and community changes you into something new. Now, which preaches better? The second one, hopefully. Like, so I think there's a process of, of make, breaking those things down. Yeah. Any, any, oh, go ahead. First of all, I want to say thank you for being up there and making and being vulnerable because you don't know what's going to come up to these microphones. So, and I'm next. <laughs> um, and I also, <laughs> I was at my uh, the son my son attends a church in Fort Wayne and they had baptisms this morning and and, and every new life that's baptized is awesome. And I just want to thank you for the way that you've brought New Life Weekend to this church because it is so fun and so exciting. And the celebration of each new life into God's kingdom is just magnificent here. So thank you for that. Okay, so I have four. I'll be quick. Um, (laughs) All right. So you said that uh, one of the things is that we'll serve once once a month at the church. Is there something that's going to say these are the areas that you can serve in? Or is that... kind of like, well, this is where I serve and I feel like I'm serving and it may not be on your list, but I still feel like I'm serving. Is there something like that that you've you put can together? answer that really quickly. If it is something that is sponsored by Life Church or that we are part of that. Um, so Life Monthly right now. So even if like it means you go with Life Women to the Ronald McDonald House, that's, that's volunteering. So any one of our ministries, you can go to Life Monthly and see where our ministries are available. But if in some way it's associated with what we're doing here, that's what I mean. Okay. Is that, is that answer that? Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And then on that note, too, those things that are Life Church Ministries, um, Celebrate Recovery, some of the women's ministries and things that we're doing, are they somehow incorporated into this um, equip and, and all of those things that we're going to be learning starting in February? Yeah, and, and what you're referencing there is the life journey and specifically actually the transform class, and, and you're using the, the language of what you went through, and that's fine. So, um, yes, so how we will connect, what is going to be huge about the life journey is there a seminal class. There's a class that's just, it hinges on. It's a course, and it's called Transform, and it helps people influence one, um, which is discipleship, multiply, and influence culture together. So that will be kind of the course that will help create leaders who can lead within ministries like Celebrate Recovery. So we've already had a conversation with Celebrate Recovery about taking some of their leaders through, um, through Transform so that they can be better equipped to disciple. And then there's this, this wonderful thing where we're, where we're together augmenting. So Celebrate Recovery is something that we is not our ministry, but it is our ministry, meaning it's run by an organization outside of us, and we lean on them, but it is ours, and the people who run it, they're, part they're going to be partners here. If not, They're going to be partners here, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's, I think the augmentation is, is how we train everyone who's involved who wants to be, to be a disciple maker. Okay. Awesome. Um, the partnership opportunities that we're going to do next weekend are those going to be offered throughout the year or at any time? Or if somebody's new and decides they want to become a partner, how often are you going to offer those? Yeah, so we're, we're going to offer them just like we have been. Um, so every year, everyone re-ups. So what I didn't get to share is that I think for the last three membership dinners, they've actually been signing the partnership covenant. Oh. So we've been, and, and it's been an opportunity for us to have dialogue as well, to say, hey, what do you think about this? How are you experiencing it? So if, you, if you're here and you're like, I, those are what I signed up for. That's by design. We wanted to make sure that we tested this out and we had the right dialogue in those conversations. Um, but they're going to have to re-up in the fall. Now, we will have classes all year just like we have, partnership dinners where they can become part of the church at any point in the year. But, you know, they're going to, in the fall, re-up. In the fall, every fall. Okay. And the last one is pretty sticky. Mm, good. So the... Um, I will give 10% to Life Church and grow in generosity beyond. Um, the relationship, the, the tithing, obviously the Bible tithes 10%, but the, uh, what, what I feel, what I give to the Lord is between me and the Lord. And how are you going to measure that 10% for us? That's a great question. And there's, there's so many nuances. I'm going to just address what you asked um, about it. So um, here, here's what I would say. If you were to, one of the things that shifted is we've really started to look, um, and by that I mean the executive team, um, which is Rich, Jared, and myself. We've really started to look at just some great documents about where people are giving, and I know that's weighty, and we take that with a huge, you know, a huge honor that it is, but also the weight of it. We're willing to bear that because we believe um, that it's important for us to know, and, and, and primarily it's the question is, how are they doing? So if we were to say, see a drop-off, we're like, are they okay? That's always our first heartbeat, like, and always to reach out pastorally. So here's what I would say. If you were to take 150 people, um, uh, uh, let's say, let's take the entire membership, 500, and you put it in a spreadsheet, and you see what they give every month or whatever, it would, be, it would take you 15 minutes to see who gives regularly and consistently, and it would be very apparent to you people who 
look like they're tithing and people who look like they're tipping or are not giving at all. So that's the high level that we're looking at it. Um, you know, we're having more conversations. So if it's something, that, and that's weird, I know it's money and it's, it's hard, we're really looking at it from the heart level. Am I going to go down and try to figure out what you make and guess and figure that out and ask percentages and care if it was nine or ten? No. No, that's not, I don't think that's the heart of what we're trying to do here. The heart of what we're trying to do is, is like, are you doing well? And then I think through relationship with the people who are caring for our partners, there's this ongoing conversation of how are you doing with this? And you're like, well, I'm doing great or I'm struggling. Like, how can I help you move forward? The only difference with that is with the staff because the staff, I do know what they make, right? <laughs> so am I, am I like, are you giving 10% from your gross and all that with them? Nope, I'm not. Because I'm, what is it? It's a heart issue. And, and, and I'm not going to nitpick on those kinds of things. But it's, that's difficult. So it was a great question. And thank you. Thank you for reminding me that it is not just about the money, but that you're concerned for our well-being and uh, seeing the drop-off or the lack thereof at times that you care about that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We have a ton of these to get through. Let's do it. Okay. Unless anybody wants to come to the microphone. And you, you still can. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. Let's give him a round of applause. All right. <laughs> okay. This question, like my wife, my beautiful wife in the nursery said, I'm starting to show my age. Loved the series. I, I, that, it boiled it down for me. I loved it. But the part I have a hard time is, is the delivery of it, the decibel level of it. Like Saturday's four o'clock service, that was rough, and it hurts. And and there's a lot of people that share my same feelings. And uh, you know, one person told me, "Well, go in the balcony; it's less quiet, or you know, it's quieter." And uh, I just wanted you maybe to explain why this delivery system has to be so loud. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, and I think it's it's really valid. Just a side note. Do you want to know where the quietest places in here is? Do you want to know just about how it's laid out? It's this row right here. Believe it or not, if you want it to be quiet, sit in the front row. And if I see a group of people sitting in the front row, I'll know who you are. I'll, I'll look at, hey, I know why you're there, right? Like, uh, just a side note. So, uh, yeah, this matters to me, and it's important to me. Um, I, I do listen, and I do notice when it's right on that edge and that goes over. Um, there's some things, too, that are interesting. If it's an acoustic set, you can actually be way louder than a normal one because of the nature of the sound doesn't, isn't as a caustic to ears. Um, just side notes so you can know. Um, what, what the purpose of having it be loud without going too loud, and I think sometimes we get there and, and we are striving for it. I know Stephen and, and Sam work, and Caroline work extremely hard when they're up there. This room's difficult to mix, and so thanks for the feedback, and we encourage you to keep bringing that feedback so that we know. Um, and uh, we're also operating off a system that's a little older that needs to be redone. These are all excuses, so those are the excuses. The the purpose of what we're trying to do is to set an environment where an unchurched person 
um, can experience God. If it's too loud, that's not that environment. But a place where they feel like they can, they can be um, free, that's why we have the lights down and all of that. Um, and also, I think, uh, me personally, I love, if I can hear my voice when I'm singing, like, and it sticks out a lot, like, it keeps me from singing because I don't have a good voice. And then, uh, so um, that balance is really difficult. We are trying to create an environment where people are able to experience God across a wide range of ages. And so my commitment is to find that balance. And so I hear you, um, and we'll work on it. And um, uh, while we won't necessarily change our approach, I do feel like we have some things to grow in as far as how that's delivered. And, and uh, I look for you in the front row next week. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to get to some questions. There's a ton here. Sweet. Um, this one says, the language shift from member to partner seems to focus, on, focus heavy on attendees of the church. What does this look like from the perspective of staff partnering with attendees? Yeah, um... Okay, I'm hoping that what this is asking is about the what I referenced with the partner care team. Um, so. I'm hoping that's the case, and yeah. you can always write another one if it's not. Um, so one of the things with 500 members is it's really difficult for us to care for them. Um, to even have one conversation with them during the year is difficult with 500. So as we elevate that, we're hoping to have more conversations. Um, our goal is to have a partnership level where we can assign pastoral staff and staff on the church to a group of people that are either in their ministry or outside of it that they can really keep checking up on over and over again. Again, the heart with this is care, and the heart is about relationship. And so we're trying to um, enable that to happen. So what it'll look like in the short term is if there are members who don't sign up for partnership who are like, oh, what happened? We're going to reach out to them. But then we're going to continue to have this process year after year of caring for it. Someone asked a really good question. You know, like well, the questions and my thinking is like giving a pastor or a staff member 30 people to love on. Um, I think that's doable and uh, can be really powerful about what we can do. Um, as someone asked the question, well, is that scalable last night? They said, what, 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 because last night I talked to Young and Marriage, like, how is that scalable? And I'm like, well, if you have fully participating members and we've done this much with 60 people, if we continue in growing in that a number of people, it's going to be easily scalable because we'll have the resources to do that and we will have discipleship that will be able to do that as well. Yeah. So I hope that answers the question. That's how I read it. Okay. Um, and just to give you a heads up, so I have some, I, I separated them in categories. I have one here that's primarily um, in response to what Nathan just talked about, some programmatic stuff. Um, these are more theological. Those are great, but I feel like I want to get to these okay. first and foremost. These are someone is having fun, I think. <laughs> and they, what? And they, they're trying. <laughs> okay, so these are Jeffs. Thank you so um, much. Questions? No, there's some levity. We, we may get to those if there's time. Um, this one is kind of an easy one. Somebody just asked. I heard, I've heard our denomination mentioned several times. Yes. What is it? Evangelical Covenant Church, ECC is what that stands for. And then we are part of uh, a regional conference called the Great Lakes Conference, which offices right across the hallway from our uh, building right across the street. So that's a, just a quick one that I can get out of the way. Yeah, they have a great website. You can find out everything you want about them. The Embrace materials are on that as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, how hard and fast is the one year to uh, fully meet the partnership requires, requirements? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. that, that one um, primarily is in there because we know that what we're doing is changing things. And we want to give people grace to work through that and to have the conversations and not to just push somebody out. Um, that's there um, so that we can have great conversation um, hard and fast. You know, I, I think that's, that's a conversation to have. Are we going to take aggressive measures and just say, hey, you're, you're not a partner anymore? Um, at this point, you know, I, I would hope that we would have enough conversations before that to have the case. Like, I, I'm not trying to be legalistic with this. I'm really not. I'm trying to be effective, and I'm trying to care for our hearts well. Uh, so I think it's, it's kind of one of those hypothetical things. Like, I think it's up to the pastor one-on-one -on -one talking with the individual. Hopefully they've had that conversation where they say, I can't get to this. Mm -hmm. And well, let's talk about it. Yeah. And um, let's see where that goes. So it'll be here for this year. This year, that statement on there you'll, it, it, that says, I will work to this within one year will be there this year. Um, I can't say whether it's going to be next fall that we'll have that line on there, which is, man, that's a high bar. That's a bar. And I have had so many great challenging conversations with people this year that they have chosen to rise to it. And those are the conversations that haven't happened in the past and I think are, are crucial, are crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff. I'm just going to add something to that because I know that's something that as a leadership team we, we talked a lot about. And just know that as a church we have for years um, have, have tried to um, put forth in place uh, material in our members' hands, in our attendees' hands to help with that goal specifically of the, the giving of 10%. And none of that's going away. So it, it's just what this should do, if anything, should help, uh, you know, whoever's providing that uh, partner care to, to you, you and your family is now there's a framework to say, hey, if this is an issue for you of, you know, budging in, living on 90% and giving back to God that 10%, we have material in place like Financial Peace University and we also have financial coaches that can help. I know I know I've personally sat down with a number of people over the years to to sit down and go through your budget and 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 try to provide some hope and direction as to what to do and that has always been the heart and somebody who myself was impacted drastically in that which I've preached on and given my own testimony on I can tell you that there is a a a a different spiritual experience that you have with your walk with God when you're living into that. And I can tell you from my heart of hearts, because I don't get paid by this church, so what, what you give, I really don't care. Um, but the bottom line is, is that I know that I do care about everybody in this, these seats, about you experiencing and encountering Jesus. And when you live into that, um, you... you when you live into giving that 10%, you, you encounter Jesus in a different way than you've ever have before. And so if we really do care about your heart, then we have to care about the thing that God talks about a lot in the Bible, about how where your heart is, or where your money is, there your heart is as well. And so just know that this just frames up that conversation better to be able to provide adequate help and support so that uh, you can live fully into encountering Jesus in the most powerful ways. I hope that helped. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. I think that's wonderful.
Uh, this is along the same lines, and I think you answered it with Julie's as well, but just to make sure that we've, we've hit this. Can I still be a partner if I believe in the grace of giving, uh, the grace of the giving verses, I think is what they're trying to say? Grace of the giving verses, the law of giving? Yeah, um, so as we, we have said it, um, the... I, oh, I see what they're saying. Do you Sorry, so uh, it's spelled verses as the Bible verses, but I think what they meant to say was versus the U.S. Oh, uh, say it again then. So the grace of giving versus the law of giving. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'll pick I, up what you're putting I think, um, so the, the short answer to that is um, if you are not willing, and, and, and because of theological reasons or for whatever reason at all, and you do not want to give 10% to Life Church and grow in generosity beyond, the answer is no. Um, and it's hard, but it's the truth with that uh, of what we're putting forward. I do think there are theological approaches to looking at the text. Um, I don't agree with them, but I think there are theological approaches to the text that say uh, that I understand that. Um, but as I look at it, as I go through scripture, as I look at tradition in the church and my experience, and also practically uh, for what we're going through, um, I, I just think this is the best way to move people forward in their journey and for us to move forward. Um, I'll, I'll just briefly touch this and, and maybe more will come up later and I'm willing to have a conversation. But there is this concept of, of well, that's the old law. Um, and so that doesn't apply to us. And this freedom in Christ and, um, and those scriptures on that. What I'd point out is this practice of giving and specifically even giving a tithe is pre-law that um, after the fall, Cain and Abel gave their first fruits to God, and God cared about the heart of Cain, so much so that he says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. And I love that what God was concentrated on that moment was the heart. And I won't go through all of them, but there's this progression. I'll talk about Abram, and before he was Abraham, that he won this battle, and, and this priest king called Melchizedek, came out and he gave him a tithe to honor both his priestliness and his kingship. And then Jesus in Hebrews is referred to as a priest king in the order of Melchizedek. And so there's these beautiful uh, heart honoring positions, but the one that gets me the most, and, and I would love to have a greater discussion with this because I do believe it's a discussion, um, is Mark. And uh, this one just wrecks me absolutely all the time. The verse Mark, um, I've been working on it. Here we go. Mark 12, and he's talking about the widow's offering. This is just a bizarre passage. I love it. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. That'd be weird to have Jesus watching you give, right? I think I'd, yeah. right? It's weird. Uh, Jesus is watching. Anyways, um, Listen, listen to what happens and hear the heart because his is, again, it's the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father for us. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. In Acts and in the Bible, and what we see is that God does not require 10% of us. He requires everything. The reason why partnership is 10% is because we think it's the training wheels. 
that it's the training wheels for your heart to become more generous than anyone could possibly imagine. And so we are leveling up that, that bar. One last thing I'll say about it, and this is not the most important thing, but it's a reality. There's a practicalness to this. As a partner, you can vote on the next lead pastor. You can vote on any choice we make to build a new building, big, huge financial choices. You get to vote on the budget every year. You get to vote on the leadership of this church, like Jeff Packer. So if you don't like what he said, just vote him out. <laughs> Practically speaking, logically speaking, you want people fully invested to make the decisions about what the church does. And so I think that that's another reason, but not the most important one. That's good. Uh, what is church doing to reach out to members or regular attenders who have left? Yeah, um, so we notice, we call, a lot of it is personal relationship. I actually know that Kate is actually phenomenal at this. Um, she's really good and, and passionate about it. Uh, I'm grateful for that. Um, we also did these YouTube videos, these MailChimp stuff, or I'm sorry, you wouldn't know it's MailChimp. There's been these email campaigns during this series to reach out, a video where I said, hey, you might not have been here in a long time. We want you to come back. We know transition's hard. Come and see if this is still the place for you. Um, we aren't doing that because uh, we're doing that again for a heart issue. Like, my heart isn't like, ah, we need people come back. I'm actually just like, man, if you're going to leave here, leave with the grace and unity of the Spirit. If you're going to stay here, be here with the grace and unity of the Spirit. So it was a heartbeat to say, hey, I want to make sure that we have the conversations, even if they're hard, to make sure that we have good, good connection. I've been able to have some incredible conversations with people. I'm just grateful for that, where I sat in their home and listen to the problems that they had and the hurts that they had and apologize and said, I just want unity. And guess what? You know, they're not here, but we are good because that's what the big church is about. As long as whoever comes to this church, if they leave, as long as they go to another church and they get invested there and they're surrounded by people and they glorify God, it is good. And so our heart, especially is for those who drop off the map and then are not attending church and we kind of prioritize um, reaching out to them. We don't get everybody. I wish we, we did, yeah. but we don't, but it's our heart. I've thought about that too. Uh, what is the church doing? Um, who is the church? It's just me and Nathan. Ugh, that would be terrible. Us. It's all of us. And so I, I can, this is the only time I can say this. And the only time Daniel can say it too. I don't know who those people are. <laughs> I'm new here. I don't know who's left because I haven't met them yet, but you do. You know who has left. Have you reached out to them? And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be a pastor or anything. I'm just, have you reached out to them and, and asked, how are you doing? I, I notice I don't see you around anymore at Life Church. What's going on? What, what's, are, are you plugged into a church? And don't judge them. If they're not going here, but they're going to another church and they found a home there, awesome. Awesome. Kit, make sure that they stay plugged into that church. But if they're just not involved in any way, you know those people. Um, and so reach out to them. We all are the church. And so I just want to keep that in front of us too. Um, there was one question that maybe is a quick answer, hopefully. <laughs> uh, why isn't Daniel up here with us? Well, funny story. Uh, we didn't know Daniel was going to be here this That's week. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> This is funny. I'll share it. We'll move, move forward here. Um, you know, Daniel is also newer. He hasn't had as much time to absorb all of these things. Um, we love having him up here. You could ask the question, why isn't Rich up here as well? Um, Rich is on vacation. Surprisingly, he's on vacation for this. Uh, no, no, no. Anyways, so, so uh, pulling it back. So Daniel had a baby last Sunday. His wife did. Yeah. Hope. 
And then on, on Tuesday, he texts me. He goes, hey, hey, what, what kind of moving truck did you use when you moved here? And I said, oh, Penske, blah, 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 blah. I need to talk through it. Okay, cool. And I'm like, wait a minute. When are you planning on coming? And he goes, tomorrow. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So, like, just for perspective, we, got, we moved him in. It was grateful. Talked to him about it. We didn't, you know, you never know when a baby comes, when it's going to be ready for time. So we didn't want to ma- put this on him um, before, <laughs> you know, with a brand new baby. Just perspective-wise, the baby um, was three years old when they left the house, and, or three days old when they <laughs> left the house, and three, and aged one-sixth of its life on the way over. So, like... Wow, what, what beast mode, man. That's, that's a whole nother level. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, said, this is a, more of a comment and a question. Volunteer appreciation dinner, according to this person, was a step down this year. How are volunteers going to be appreciated better? Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry you felt that way. Hmm. Um, and, and by far, not our intention. Um, I think there's a, career, a wonderful creative team. Um, we didn't, you know, we put as much effort to it as we had in the years uh, previously. Um, I haven't been to one yet uh, before the one that we did, so I can't speak to how I felt about it in comparison. But what I found was there was so much joy that happened, and, um, you know, I really personally liked our ice cream float mugs, which I'm sure is what you use it for. Um, <laughs> But this 50 style idea, and I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, our hope was to, to make sure that you felt welcomed and we will continue to strive to do it. One of the things that was powerful that I saw, and I, again, um, we will continue to put as much effort, and it's one of the things that while we've had to make budget changes, I didn't change because I thought it was so good. We will continue to try to do that in a way that's loving. But one of the things I saw this year that was incredible and was new is how many um, high schoolers were there because they volunteer. Oh, gosh, that made me so excited. I was like, hey, man, what's up? You know, it, it just, just that. So our commitment is to make it great every single year, and I was involved with it, and we will continue to try to make it new and refreshing because we care about you guys. You guys are amazing. Uh, not a question, but more of a statement. I've been coming to Life Church for about four years, and I think there is a large group of the congregation like me who want to feel part of the... Uh, part of Life Church, but not sure how to get there. I think that every week the focus is on new people to feel welcome and fill out the connection card. Let's open up the connection cards to allow, even if you are not new, to be able to reconnect. Let's let the communication card be for all. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely is. Um, sometimes we talk about it, sometimes we don't. If you have a prayer request, you have anything going on, if you want to sign up, the Connect card's the way to go. If you want to meet with a pastor, it's on there. So we take that very seriously. I want to say we, um, we are definitely in our announcements focusing on the new person to make sure that they feel like you belong, but the Connect card is an incredible tool for you to let us know about what's going on. One of the ways you can feel like you're most connected is small groups. Um, being involved with one, being in a women's or a men's small group. If you can't get, you know, into a couple's group, uh, that's not working out for your schedule. I think that's huge. Some of the things as well is volunteering. I'm telling you, the people here who call this place home, who love it the most, are the ones who volunteer. I'll be honest. If you're not, and if you are serving and you're not feeling that connection, I don't want to assume whoever wrote this that they didn't. I would encourage you to be part of it. I would also say that the life journey, these are relational courses that are coming that you'll make relationships in. I want you to be part of the church in that way, um, and so hopefully those are things that you feel you can move forward on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what will the partnership accountability, what will 
be the partnership accountability process. So if people aren't living up to their end, what will be asked of them? Yeah, I think it's just a conversation of saying, hey, let's take some steps in the direction. So a uh, great one was Financial Peace University. Um, that's a step. Or I'm not serving. Come to a volunteer a meeting to find. Come to a first serve. Or I'm not in a small group. Let's get you into the next one. Let's try it. Oh, that's not working for your schedule. Let's find some creative ways for you to be in a group or to lead a group. Um, you know, I'm not reading my Bible. Oh, my gosh. Right now, media could be a great way for you to help moving forward with that and to encounter Jesus. I'm struggling to get here every week. Um, Saturday and Sunday make it really easy to be here every week, but we know that doesn't fit everybody. So how can we, again, get you into a small group so you can worship with us um, just running all the way down. The conversation accountability is what's your next step as opposed to if you don't do this. That's not the point of yeah. that conversation. Yeah. That makes sense. Again, I would invite all of us to be part of that accountability process too. Um, you all are here and that's a good first step. Um, and so continue that step of accountability. Uh, we, the, the ratio of us uh, and the staff to the rest of the church is, is pretty, pretty big ratio. It's a pretty big gap. And so while we would love to have conversation with everybody, we simply just cannot. And so let's all uh, partner. That's why I like that word instead of just member. Partner uh, sounds like we're all sort of in this thing together. So I want to I give you permission to be part of that accountability process in case you felt like you needed that permission. You have it. You have it. So that's what I would say. Uh, oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll add to that too. For um, as the life journey makes sense, we will be equipped as leaders to lead others and to multiply and to disciple. And so, part of that accountability piece is us as leaders doing doing what you know, like Nathan has done with us leadership team and pouring into us and holding us accountable. Then I will too hold accountable those that I'm discipling. And that whether they're partners or not, but, but along their faith journey. And so just know that that is a part of this when we look at multiplying ourselves is that we as a church will, that's the scalable part, right? We will continue to multiply and grow. And, and now this is a common language in which we can have conversation and dialogue with each other about. And, 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 and you know, certain things may not be as willingness to talk about like finances, and I get that. But having conversations with guys I disciple and say, hey, where are you serving? You know, how is that going? What's God teaching you? Those will all be part of the conversation and the accountability that's there where it's not just reliant on, you know, the, a, a pastor or a staff member that's going to be doing that, but it's us as well. Thank you. Can regular attenders serve if they do not become a partner? Yes, and I haven't talked about this yet, so I want to be make sure that there's clarity. I did mention a little bit of what partnership means. So partnership means being able to vote on things that we would vote about and serve in high-level leadership. Everything else, anyone who's a regular attender can be part of and do. Um, even getting married, having asking for marriage, all that, all those things are are totally part of what you can be and do. So we want you to know it really is just very specifically these voting things and serving in high level leadership that's for our partners alone. Um, and, and we want to be as inclusive as possible outside of those things. And even in saying like this is your church, if you're regular, this is your church, um, and and we believe that. And in the meantime, again, if you want to go to the microphone, that 
will take precedent over these cards. So feel free if you need to uh, or want to come to the microphone. Uh, could you be a partner one year and for whatever reason have to become a regular attender? Yes, absolutely. Obviously, our hope is that we would have a conversation about that and, and love you through it. And if you wanted to re-up, just take the class again, be part of it, or wait till the next year. Absolutely. Um, those who, be, who are members right now, if they do not choose to become partners this year, we would encourage them to take the class and be part of it. Um, and that's totally, totally fine. Mm -hmm. Yep. Why are the youth not going to Bear Lake this year? That's a really good question. That is good. Um, one of which I am not equipped to answer. No. Do you, or can you answer uh, that right now? I could try. Um, please, please come see us and we'll explain it. What yeah. I will say about Bear Lake is um, we love Bear Lake. We want to be involved with Bear Lake as best we can. Um, I know that uh, Steve Kerr has stepped, and Steve and Marcy Kerr have stepped down from leading one of the uh, weeks for Bear Lake as they were doing, you know, as, as something to be part of. But I, I, I think Bear Lake has great things going on. Um, I have, there's no intentional, like, hey, we're, we're distancing, our, distancing ourselves from Bear Lake in any way. Um, it's a rich history as part of it. I am not equipped at this moment to know why that decision was made. Um, so it, uh, please come talk to us, and then we will make sure we follow up with that. And apologize for not knowing that. I'm working closely with Steve and Abby. I'm still learning about uh, everything that they do and their processes, but they would be happy to receive an email from you actually um, and have greater dialogue uh, because they have uh, huge hearts for the students and why they do what they do. So, um, and with any of these kinds of things, if you have questions, don't, don't hesitate to, to send an email or call us and, and let us know. But yeah, Steve and Abby would be most equipped for those questions. Um, it seems like we removed food like donuts, main course at picnics, nice meal at volunteer appreciation. To be clear, I'm not asking for donuts and treats so I can eat them. I'm thinking about the guests. Oh, uh, it goes on. Uh, <laughs> what do you have against food? I understand we want to be good stewards. <laughs> I'm trying not to read this as though it's funny. I just, I'm just, matter of fact. I'm not against food at all, actually. I know I look like it, but I'm, I'm not. Anyway, um, I understand we want to be good stewards for the church's resources. One of the values I remember from the beginning of Life Church is making guests feel like we are having people to our home and offering refreshments. Yeah. yeah. Those are great, great questions. Um, there are three dynamics of going on there. I would say that the food that we didn't really skimp on food, I'm sorry that you felt that way at the volunteer stuff. Uh, um, I apologize, we'll, we'll think about that as we continue to move forward. Um, in some of the main dishes as well, it's a financial uh, I issue primarily, but I will focus on donuts for a moment. I, I, hey, I was ready for donuts, let's go. Um, so, so to be fair, it was $28,000 we spent on donuts a year. Uh, $28,000 on donuts and paper and plates and all the things that go with donuts and snacks on Saturday. Um, God, nothing inside of me thinks that's a good use of money, but that's my personal preference. What we're also noticing is that most of the people who ate the donuts are the regulars. Unfortunately, because of our cafe and where it's positioned, it's actually hard for new people to get back in there and get part of it. And when you have a throng of people with kids enjoying donuts because they're great, like it's awesome, 
they're actually harder for them to get through it. So the intention of reaching the guest actually wasn't happen. If you want to have a conversation about it, Kate will talk your ear off about the reasoning why um, <laughs> it wasn't purely financial. And part of what we're doing with the life journey was because we freed up the money from donuts to have discipleship. Kate, not right now. I believe. Okay. Kate, right. I got more questions. To get so, you. so these are real and good and honest questions. I am concerned about the guest. I am concerned about creating an environment for them. But there are limitations to what we can do right now. And my heart is to continue to grow in unique ways um, in, in making them feel as home. We did not get rid of the coffee. Significant investment. And we are always, I'm always like, Kate, how can we continue to make the coffee uh, important and better? We are really concerned about those things. Um, and and uh, it matters to me. A 400-pound man can hide behind a cup of coffee. You know what I'm saying? Like, they can feel comfortable if they have something in their hand. It's still a value. We just have to change the way we approached it. Does by being in a life group mean uh, that that group has to be Life Church members, I think is what they're trying to ask. Does it have to be Life Church members in your life group? What if you belong to a small group that's not all Life Church members? So if the leader is a Life Group, is under the direction and, and is a life, the life, the leader of the small group is a Life Church person, is a person who is being coached by our people, then that's fine. Who's in your group after that is, is fine. And I know that there are some groups out there as well where there are people who have left the church who are part of a group here. And I know that makes it sticky at times and hard and difficult. I am not against difficult things. But what I will say is groups that are like that tend to not stay like that. And um, so I would encourage people. The ideal would be to be in a group with people who are in life church. Um, but we're also going to be people who push our small groups to multiply and grow. And so don't seek comfort. Seek uh, purpose in your life group. And seek bringing in people. But no, if there are people in your group who are, don't go to life church, as long as the leader is, I'm totally fine with that. Cool. It's great. Uh, what will happen if partners never volunteer? Will they be held accountable? Yeah. Um, the, first, the year that we're in, we, we gave him some grace. We're going to have the conversations first before we do anything. Um, it's going to take us some time to, to figure that out and to do well and shift. There's a significant amount of shift we're doing with our staff in regards to that. So this is a year of grace. This is a year of conversation. And then, uh, then we'll start to do it. And I, I did the same thing with the staff where I said, hey, this is a year of grace. We're going to check in with you about six months from now how you're doing with all this. And then um, if changes aren't being made by the end of the year, then we'll have a conversation next year about what that means and the impact of it. I, I believe in accountability, but I believe it has to be done um, as often and as much as possible relationally not legalistically, just like, so. Got a question over there? Hi. Hello. Um, there's a few of us who are wondering what happened to the stupid question, meet somebody near you type thing. It seems like that oh, has... the grip and grin. The grip and grin, the... Is that what you call it? Oh, I called it that once, and then they changed the name of it because they didn't like it. It sounded a little weird. Um, yeah, it, it went away um, intentionally. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Some people really love the grip and grin. Don't, don't they, look, look. Okay. Why did the grip and grin begin? And this is huge. The grip and grin began because we wanted to make people who didn't go here, um, who have never been here, fear, feel welcomed. And that is a huge value. Statistically now, and studies have been shown, that people who are new don't want that anymore. So if that's the case, we aren't going to do it anymore. Now, here's the difference, and I love where we're going with this. 
what they do like is people, not a formalized moment of it, but they love it when people come up to them before and after. And that's always been a value here. The first five before, five after, like these moments and before, like who are we going out and meeting? Are you looking for people who don't look like they belong? Are you meeting them? So what I would say is if you love the grip and grin, go after it. We're just not going to do a formalized meeting in here because they don't want it. They don't want it. Um, Some may, but most don't. And so I'm not going to do something that's offensive to new people that was supposed to be something that was helpful to new people. And that's just, things shift and things change. You know, I don't know why. It just is. People don't want to do that anymore. Um, So it wasn't just a decision we made based on preference. It was made on intentionality and considering the heart of why we did it in the first place. And it's just, it's hard. Things change. So I wrote this question, and then I decided to come up and ask it. Um, I'm going to try not to speak in hypotheticals, but I have a great hope and faith that many members are going to become partners. So what's the plan? I keep hearing the word partner, and then I'm hearing the word leader. And for sustainability and intentionality, um, what is the plan in order to develop the leaders within the partners so that then that can divvy up? Because 500 people, I mean... You guys are awesome, and God's far greater than probably anything I'm conceiving, but investing in those leaders, what is the plan in that to move forward and multiply? Part of the, the philosophical shift is that we wouldn't have 500 partners. Um, that's hard to say, right? Um, and my heart is that those who are members who choose not to be partners, that they would, steal, that they would feel that this is their home because that's how I see it, but that's going to be some transition in time and difficulty. Um, no, we're raising the bar because we want more fully participating partners. And so it's a philosophical shift and change. But that doesn't take away from the question that you asked, which I think is really good. The life journey is a huge part of that, some shifts in the way that we train our leaders. Um, as you go through the life journey and you go through that seminal course called Transform, which t- teaches you to be a disciple maker, one of the things that you'll be invited to, and, and this is not exclusive, it is for everyone because we want everyone to go through the transform course and become a disciple maker. So don't hear it as like exclusive. We'll be quarterly having an event called Multiply. And there we're going to get to come into this room much like we are right now with people who are really invested and have a common language and we're going to worship in a way that we don't always get to do on Sundays because we have people who don't believe in Jesus there. And then we get to speak like this where I get to speak to you directly and bring training, and then you get to interact with people and and be refreshed, because here's what I know. There's so many leaders in this room, and you pour your life out, and you give, and you give, and you give, and so we should get together and be refreshed in the spirit. And so that multiply experience every quarter is gonna be something that helps develop people, Um, but the the discipleship process is is huge. So yeah, I'm I'm committed to this uh, long haul, Long term, this is going to, the full impact of the life journey won't happen for three or four years, but it will happen immediately. It's already changing things, but the major impact will take time and we're in it for the long haul. Uh, why specifically the word partner and not member? I sort of alluded to this earlier, but maybe you could expand. Um, who has a partnership to Lifetime Fitness or to a yacht club? Well, no one here probably has a yacht club membership, but uh, <laughs> you do, Kate? Wow, we're paying you well. Um, uh, you know, the Redneck Liat Club, maybe? Okay. <laughs> um, so, so we played around with the word partner and owner. We, we went with partner because partnership is this is us. 
we're doing this together. There's a handshake between you and the staff and the saying, this is what we're going to do together. Membership infers some kind of benefit that you receive before paying money. That's how we treat membership in our culture. Um, church membership historically has meant different things, but, but really it's turned into this idea of I belong there, um, but I'm, I, you know, sometimes it's about what I can get from it. These are nuances of the word. I think partnership is something I look at the church being the most, is that we are partnered together to be driven by new life and do things together. And so there was intentionality in that, and I think partner greatest emphasizes that we are the body of Christ and that if your spiritual gifts and your presence and your voice isn't heard, then we are lesser for it. And so we are going to partner together to see God do incredibly powerful things that only can be accomplished through the unity of the Spirit. And so I, I think partnership just, it, it emphasizes it better. Yeah. I'm a young adult who's a regular attender. However, I'm having difficulty trying to plug into a life group that I can belong to. I'm in my mid-30s, but I can't do life alone, or sorry, I can't do life with other young adults due to the maximum age limit. How can Life Church maintain the code you belong and help me to apply that in my life here at this church? Uh, clarity. Are they saying they're going to be out of? Maximum uh, age limit to be considered a young adult. 29? Or is it 32? I'm pretty sure that the 32. Uh, Okay, um, so I think this might be a conversation we can have in person, and I'm sorry if that puts you in a place where it's uncomfortable. I'm in my mid-30s, but can't do life with other young adults due to the maximum age limit. Yeah. I think there's some conversation we can have in person, but I think there's opportunities as well for some other, op for other forms of meeting together, such as a huddle or a, a more of three people getting together and talking about what God is doing in their life. Uh, restrictions are difficult and hard, so... I don't want to hypothetically deal with this. I want to deal with this one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and I'm sorry if that puts you out, but we are committed to finding a place where you can belong and also that you can be used in your giftings. Mm -hmm. So I, I would encourage that we have this conversation. Yeah, I'll hold on to that one. Uh, junior and senior high camps. Oh, sorry. G. <laughs> sorry, G. What up, G? This is camouflage up here. His hey name guys. is G. I'm not just calling him a G. My name's G. Um... <laughs> If you're a dude that's a young adult, our group is um, 24 to 42, Whoa, I nice. believe. We got a widespread going on here. <laughs> you're free to come to our group anytime. Yeah. And also to um, go back to Nicole's point on, sorry to return material, but empowering the leaders that we have in partnership, right? And I would think at the forefront of that is the, are the leaders that we have in our life groups. Can you talk about the current or developing process that we have to equip, encourage, and empower those people. Yeah, right now we have different individuals, both staff and not, but mostly staff who are coaching one-on-one -on -one the leaders, whether they're, it, whether they're in w women's ministry, men's ministry. We had that split out between Al and Johnny and Rich and Sue, and I'm forgetting names um, as well of people who, yeah, they, some of you already know who I'm missing. Um, so that's kind of the current model of that coaching. It's very hard to scale that, so we're working on being more intentional, as well as Multiply being another place that we, we start to equip and empower people within the small groups. So right now, media is another way that we're intentionally trying to equip and give people more resources, as well as leadership training through Right Now Media, which, by the way, everyone in this room, if you don't have an account, we can get you one for free with the Netflix of Bible studies, essentially. And then there's a specific two as well, um, like student ministry and the training that they do specifically for their small group leaders as well. Um, 
this is a passion of mine, and I think without discipleship being the the baseline of our common understanding and all that, we're always going to struggle to equip people the way that we need to. So my goal is to bring equipping through discipleship and that ongoing um, process of that, and it's going to be something that I, I think it's going to take some time to integrate. So I, I hope that answers your question. Is there more to it? That's it. Thanks, G. Appreciate Thanks. it. Oh, cheering section. That's awesome. Um, and just to make sure that we're all on the same page, we have about 20 minutes left, and we're, we will end at 8 o'clock. We want to honor your time, and then if at 8 o'clock uh, after that you have some additional questions that you want to come and talk to us uh, about, you may. Um, I, my sense is that we're probably not going to get to the theological questions, which I, I love those. Daniel, We all do. Daniel does. Nathan does. Um, and so we may... I'm, I didn't talk to you about this, but we might put them on a podcast or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. Just talk about them in that As way. long as somebody doesn't get up on these mics and swears, we were waiting to make sure right. no one was super crazy okay. uh, before we, we decided. But most likely we're going to release this on podcast next week so that you can listen to it again or give it to anyone you want to. So maybe we will add to it the answers to the theological questions. I, if we have time, I, would, I think that's wonderful. Uh, junior and senior high camps with the church and busing. Why did it end? Again, I feel ill-equipped to answer this. Mm -hmm. um, yes, but the busing and I know we have a shuttle now, so I'm not sure. And I really apologize that I don't know why that ended. The bus, the bus. Well, the bus died. The bus died. So we bought three shuttles. But oh. I'm guessing the question might also be like, were we not shuttling people? to it. I thought we were, but I, I will not speak more about it because I don't know what, what's going on with that one. They, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I know they went to camp this summer. Yes, um, they did. But if it's beyond that, sorry. No shuttles. Okay. There was no shuttles provided by the church for junior and senior high. I don't know the answer to that, but I will look into it, and I would love to have a conversation with you. It's important to me. Um, I I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm at a loss as to the nuances of that. Uh, internships, why have they ended? If people are going into seminary college, will it be paid for? So two questions. One about internships, one about seminary and college, will it be paid for? So uh, to my understanding, we never paid for people to go to seminary um, in the past. We do have, if you are on staff here, that there is continuing education, that money that we provide for those who are on the ministry track. Currently, uh, um, Kate, how many actually started the master's stuff? Do you know off the top of your head? No, 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 just in this church. Five. So right now, five staff members are getting their master's degree at a greatly reduced cost through the church. Um, so they're partnered with it. We're partnered with it. The Great Lakes Conference is partnered with it. So that's just awesome. Like, by the way, so cool. I was pretty rabid to get that happening here. Um, something we could do. Internships, the reason why internships ended is a financial reason as well, as well as um, we were not satisfied with the outcome. Great individuals, great people. The reason why you have an internship program is to hire them at some point and to develop them and even just to send them out. Some of the people in this room have been interns, great people, but the way that the, 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 the 
program was not producing the way we wanted it to. And because it wasn't producing the way we wanted it to, and we had real um, cutbacks that we had to make, we had to decide what was more um, ministry focused. I am not against internship in the future. What I am against internships is internships that just use them as their ministry tools so that their ministry exists on them. That is not the intention of that, nor does that fit multiply, nor does that fit what we're doing. Um, we currently have an apprentice um, who is on staff, and she is fantastic. Her name's Bettina, and she works in kids' ministry. Um, our hope is that uh, through this process that Bettina can continue in ministry, whether that's here or somewhere else, and we do feel that she is pretty successful at that. We have had interns in the past who have done that. It's something we would like to do. It's going to get revamped a little bit and it, based on, on financial need. We would gladly accept lots of free interns, and for the purpose not to build up and do ministry through them, but to empower them through that. So if you know someone who's interested, even no matter what your age, um, we can have conversations about that. But financially, we're in a place where we can't support that. There's a couple questions about the chili cook-off. Good. <laughs> Why don't we have it anymore, is what they said. Yeah. So one of the beautiful things um, that we're doing is trying to relook at all the things we've done in the past, like Trunk or Treat and the Chili Cook-Off. And I want to empower our leaders um, to think outside the box and do things they've never done before, but also to think about why we're actually doing what we're doing. Um, so the Chili Cook-Off, as they are processing through that, is something that they, they wanted to try something different with. Trunk or Treat, we're trying some different things with, but it's still going to be Trunk or Treat. So that's one of the ways we're like, well, we want to try some new things. When we started Trunk or Treat, there was a, a significant amount of people not doing Trunk or Treat. <laughs> like, we were new, and it was so good. But now, if you just go on Facebook, the amount of events that are going on is insanity. So we're having a harder time drawing people in to come to our Trunk or Treat. And so what we're doing is trying to expand that and make it more community-focused, still invitational, but relational, and continue to do that. Our team is working extremely hard on that, I think you're going to be impressed this year by what Trunk or Treat looks like. And I know you asked about Chili Cook-Off and you didn't ask about Trunk or Treat, but I have the microphone. And uh, I'm supremely confident in our team and their ability to continue to think about how to be creative and to make intentional changes um, to do that. And sometimes we don't always communicate the why behind the what. And so I want to make sure that we do that to the best of our abilities through um, that. Uh, one of the things I've been intentional about with this year is, is more emails with little videos from me and, and conversations we've had with leadership team between whoever preached on the code. I, I've heard great feedback about that, that people enjoy that. So I want to continue to, when we make a, a significant change, communicate that. In fact, part of why we're doing this tonight is to communicate the why behind the what so that you guys are prepared. You need to drink water. I guess I do. Take one. Will there be a playground for kids and families soon, i.e. on the church grounds? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I love the pavilion. I love the Gaga Pit ball thing, which I've never seen before in my life before coming up to Michigan. Um, yeah, it's not a thing everywhere else. Uh, <laughs> just okay. I think it's awesome. It's a great game. Nine Square, all that stuff. I love what we did with that, and that was through the Garvey boys and their absolute love of our community and their hard work, and what a wonderful... I know many of you worked on that with them. I love that. So I value those things. The thing with playgrounds, um, it's, it's a financial need. I'm also not sure 
how long we'll be on this location. And I don't mean this to say freaky or to scare you or anything like that, but if God continues to grow us the way that I think he will, um, one of the barriers we have is our physical location. So I don't know what will change. I'm not saying any of that yet. Leadership team and I and the executive team are praying and, and dreaming, and I encourage you to do, encourage, not encourage, encourage you to do the same um, as well. I'm not against it. I think it's a great idea. But if we make that investment, we need, before we make that investment, we need to know what we're doing so we don't waste money and time. Um, not that it's a waste, but, you know, what I, my son just raised money to add one piece of equipment to Field Elementary, and they needed $15,000 to do one piece of equipment. That's significant. Um, I love the idea of it. My big, hairy, audacious goal would be have a life center where we have like an indoor track and all this amazing things for the purpose of our community. So all the people who are, who are Indian who love to walk but have nowhere to walk in the winter could come and walk in our church. And I think there's some big, hairy stuff. And the thing that, that hits me, I'm like, oh, yeah, playground, let's do it. But I want to be realistic about where we're at right now. Um, if you want to donate money towards a playground, um, that's a significant amount. I'd love to have a conversation with you about your heart and how we can connect your heart to the mission um, and, and see how we can make, you know, make your heart sing with, with giving. Does that make sense? Sorry. Yep. Moving forward, what is the criteria that leadership uses to determine what kinds of outreach slash community events are used to reach and connect Christ followers with those who, who aren't following him yet? <laughs> Thanks, Bettina. I appreciate that. Thanks, Bettina. Don't drink. Yeah, and one. I'm going to go to the bathroom now, too. Oh, I got to pee. Um, got 10 minutes. Uh, do, you, do you want me to repeat that? Repeat it. Okay. Please. Moving forward, what is the criteria that leadership uses yep. to determine okay. what kinds of outreach slash community events are used to reach and connect Christ followers with those who aren't following him yet? Yes. Okay. So that's the conversation about outreach and service, which I alluded to. So outreach is you meeting people and having a conversation and reaching out to them. Service is providing something that changes their life. Um, those are kind of some nuances with that. With outreach, best way I can explain my heart for it is cross equals love and how it wasn't about getting um, butts and seats here on Easter. Um, it was about having conversations and empowering our people to do that and empowering them to learn how to, to uh, tell their story and to feel confident in doing that. That's kind of my heart for outreach. We are going to be pretty, looking pretty hard to have community events and outreach events and service events. And um, community is about how we connect with people because we have four services and we don't always get to see each other. And then that's also to bring people with, but it's inviting them into the community. Um, out, outreach would be to go out like cross equals love and to do that. There's some of those things are about empowerment. It's about empowerment for me. It's always about the partnership, about how we can empower. Service is particular. Um, I will try to make this quick as possible. One of the books, if you wanna know my heart for it, read Toxic Charity. The book Toxic Charity or When Helping Hurts. Um, these two books have been seminal. Um, Toxic Charity, um, Lupton, Dr. Robert Lupton, is an incredible individual who has been involved in empowering and serving people in Atlanta, Georgia for the last 40 years. I have personally met him and gone and seen what he's done. And the whole thing centers on the idea that if we are going to help people, it better call out the God-given beauty inside of them and not create a cycle, a perpetual cycle of them being dependent on someone else or ourselves. It's a hand up, not a hand out, because that doesn't honor what God has put inside of them. 
the quickest way to explain this, and I'll try to make this quick. Everyone um, like hear Tom's shoes, Tom's shoes? You, you, oh my gosh, four of you know what Tom's shoes is. Um, so Tom's shoes is basically- You asked the, if we liked them. Oh, do you know what Tom's shoes is? <laughs> Do Thank we like, you. Well, you know. See, sometimes we just need a mic in the audience and be like, that's not what you asked us. <laughs> um, so Tom's shoes, and they're doing better now. So I don't have a problem throwing them under the bus right now. But what would happen is the idea is you bought a pair of Tom's shoes, and what are they going to do? Yeah, and they would give another away to people in Africa. That's great. Until so you put all the people who make shoes in Africa out of business. And then you give them shoes that are for hipsters and don't work in Africa. So the deal is this. We can't just throw money at things. We've got to do it in a way that calls out the God-given gifts that they have inside of them. And so right now we're um, working through every single partner that we have and trying to find a way to make sure that they are all doing that and having great conversations. Kate's working with the executive team to develop our go, right? What does it mean to go and creating some criteria for that? So we've done a lot of great things in the past. We want to make sure that all of them are, are to the best we can use with our money and time, but also are elevating people and allowing them to grow and, and become more um, whole and complete as individuals. Some of the, the mature folks feel pressure of how to worship. P.S. We love the new code and all of you. Yeah, um, my heart is always to encourage. Um, so I hope that that's how it's felt. Um, we do believe that you don't have to worship a certain way to, um, uh, you don't have to worship in a certain way whether you raise your hands or get loud or whatever. Uh, specifically today, there was this encouragement in the middle of it that if you don't do that, you're fine. You belong. That you can worship inside. Um, you know, I'm an expressive person, very expressive. Uh, did you guys know that? Um, but I'm, I, I have always I've been, had a lot of people in my life who have deep spiritual lives who don't worship like I do, and I respect them. You know, um, one of those is, is my wife, and so she's, I, I, I want you to feel free to worship caveat. I would stand by, if you cheer for football, you should cheer for Jesus. And so I want there to be a truth to you. Uh, a consistency to you. But if you're like, I don't really cheer for anything, um, I would love for you to cheer for Jesus, but that doesn't indicate that you're um, not faithful and that you are not mature and that you are not following after him. So if any way that you feel that way, I apologize. My heart is that you worship in the way that you feel um, connects you to God and try out some stuff when instructed. But if you're like, nah, that's not for me, that's okay. That's okay. There's no problem with that. Can you elaborate on how the church plans to invest slash mentor or disciple the 60 uh, invested individuals? Yeah, yeah. Um, some of that is already happening with um, the individuals who are, our, our goal is to treat them the same way we would anyone who chooses to become a partner um, and to love on them and, and to help them grow. Um, so we've already started kind of reaching out to, to some of them and intentionally and, and having that, those conversations. Um, I would say it's the same to anyone who chooses to be a partner. We're going to treat them all the same um, and try to love them through it, um, recognizing that just because someone's engaged in, in sacrificing and doing everything doesn't mean they don't need to be loved on. They do. They need that. And I think we can really spend our time on that. So, yep. So we're, it's it, intentional meetings and conversations. We have three left, and we have five minutes. I think I can get we'll, through all three. We'll do it quick because we got to pray too. So we really got like three minutes left. Let's oh, do yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. 
During New Life weekends, many candidates have family come to Life Church for the first time in response to the loudness, uh, perhaps offer earplugs, and prior to starting the service, let those in the congregation know it may be loud and earplugs are available and where they might get them. Also, during New Life weekends, it might be helpful at the time of the offering to let guests know that offering is for those who call Life Church Canton their home and guests are not expected to contribute to the offering. Yeah. Great. First one, um, I think that's good feedback. I think it's pretty easy for us to work that in. We yeah. do acknowledge that we want people who are here for the very first time to do that, and we do have uh, earplugs right through those doors, so um, we will let people know that. They're hard to see. Like, you have to be leaving, and that's not helpful. But, like, <laughs> like uh, so I think acknowledging them, Jared, make sure you make a note for that. Um, that would be great. Secondly, uh, I, I hear you with the conversation to create an offering, and I, I'm going to let you know that I've intentionally asked people to give. I've intentionally done that, not unintentionally. And that's a significant change. Why? Because my goal is that people encounter Jesus. And sometimes people only under, everywhere else, when they love something, they give to it. I do not want to take that moment away from them. Do I want them to feel obligated? No, I don't. I want them to have the opportunity to respond to God and to respond what they're feeling. We will intentionally continue to be thinking about how to say that really well so it doesn't infer that they have to. But I am in the same way that I would say, hey, if, if you're here and you're new, don't sing. That's not for you. I would not say that because it's not true. If you feel like you want to respond to God and that's the way you want to do it, do it. And it's not a, it, 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 so I think there's a nuance to that. And honestly, that comes from the past where it's like, don't do anything that would possibly offend people. But people are coming to a place where they want to find something that they can find meaning in. They'll give, you know, money to every podcast that they ever listen to um, just because they think it's great. And so we want them to respond because once they start participating in the mission of what Jesus is doing, it's going to catch them and they're going to be part of it. So good catch, though. Uh, I'm really impressed. You know, you're, you're, you're asking really good questions there. Is there an opportunity for a Life Church attendee to have significant impact on programming, i.e., outreach, leadership, and developing committees, providing support, speakers, conflict resolution? If so, what is the process to get something going? Yeah, it depends on what exactly is meant by that. But yes, I am fully supportive of people who are not staff members leading. Um, so it depends on what that is. I think having those conversations and asking that. Lynn Jarrett right now is, is, is partnering but is significantly leading the women's ministry right now, and I love it. I think she's amazing, and I want to see more of that. Um, just for context, where I came from before, I, I had one part-time worship leader, but the entire rest of all the ministries we did was run by volunteers. So I'm passionate about it, and I think it's powerful, and that's multiply. So um, if you're passionate about it, we're going to find a way to get you through that and get you on board. Transform's a great way to start that process, and having a conversation um, is good. That's my heart. I don't want to have a staff member for everything. I think that's um, silly. Daniel, Nathan, Jared, is being a pastor considered volunteering, or should you also be serving in Life Kids, Cafe, Name Tags, etc.? Yeah. That's great. Um, we talk through this a lot. Um, most of our staff members, uh, we pay them for an understood 45 hours to 50 hours a week, and almost all of them do way more than that. 
Um, way more than that. Um, in fact, we have to have conversations about them chilling, like ch chill, like you're, you're, you're going. So, yes, there's an expectation written into the conversation we have about their, that part of their job is volunteer. Part of what they do is volunteer. I, I, of the staff that we have, we have more conversations about chilling than we do. If you guys don't know this, we work six days a week because uh, there's Saturday, Sunday. We have Monday off. That's our only day off. Um, I don't, I, I think there needs to be balance in that, so we try to create as much balance as possible. Like we said today, it's not about ministering ourselves to death, but yes, I had the exact same expectation of them. So the expectation I have, and we talked through that, how are you? And if they want to go above and beyond too and go even do even more, if they want to go into kids ministry, I'm for it. As long as they're doing it because it's, it's, it's fulfilling their heart. Um, that's a key distinction for me. So if they're going to go way above and beyond, besides the built-in volunteering in their role, um, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that they're doing it in a way that gives them life, that doesn't uh, feel like obligation, and same heart I have for you. It is 8 o'clock. I want to say thank you for being here. Um, I know I've only been here since June, but I, I truly mean this. I love you. <laughs> I love being with you, and I love this church, and I love my new role. Um, I'm, I'm just super excited to, uh, to God and to all of you for what is happening here. And so thank you that you are invested. This shows your heart, and we didn't even get to all of them. We did get to a lot of them. Uh, there's, a, there's a few more theological ones, and then just some fun ones uh, that we didn't get to. Um, but thank you. Read. I'll read one. Okay. Read. Who is your least favorite member of the staff? <laughs> Whoever's not here, right? Rich. Rich. No. We can't stand Rich. I'm kidding. I love Rich. They turned him off. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties. Uh, so, uh, so I won't say that every one of my staff members, I love them all equally because I don't think that's, that's true of even of parents, but um, I love my staff. And I will say this, I'll just say this. I believe that every one of the staff members who are, are here is here because God called them to be here and that my d job is to figure out the calling and gifting inside of them and call them out into it. And uh, until God makes it clear otherwise, that's, uh, this is where they belong. Good answer. With that, thank you for being here. Let me pray, and um, we'll be up here. Actually, I want to recognize, uh, so Jeff, you've already seen, uh, he is on our leadership, uh, Kim Schmoll. And you guys, can you guys stand, actually? And come forward, please, just so we can see what your face is in case we don't know you. Uh, Anton and Dan. So Anton Bodazan, uh, Dan Dorano, Kim Schmoll, and Sherry Beadle, and then Jeff Packer. Did they, is any... We're missing a couple. Rich and yeah, we're missing Neil Walker. He's he's not here. And Nathan Hubbard in our chair. Yes, but they would be happy to to help with any questions that you have as well. I would love to pray, and uh, and then you are good to go. God, I uh, am so honored and humbled to be even standing here um, with my people, um, your people. And uh, it's such an honor to work alongside them, to partner with them, uh, to see people come to new life. And uh, God, would you help us to do that even more and better than we could have ever imagined? I just keep being drawn to this passage. They will do greater things than these. God, surprise us by what you want to do in our community and beyond. 
not just the staff, not just the volunteers, not just the leadership team, but everybody sitting in these chairs and those who couldn't make it tonight. Surprise us. Help us dream big dreams for what you want to do in Canton and beyond. God, we love you, and we look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here.